Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week we are exploring the journey of Dr. Brian Banks, an assistant professor of history at Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia, and co-founder of the online journal Age of Revolutions. On the last episode, we heard Brian's stories about teaching and studying history from below as a means of relating historical study to his students' lives and amplifying voices that may have been previously muted or silenced. When I talked with Brian, I was interested to learn how, as a history educator, he helps his students relate and apply historical insights to matters of the present. Found in the past, I mean, I guess in about a year and a half-ish now with the pandemic, have you found that to, I mean, obviously it's impacted the ways we teach or the way, like the modes of delivery of instruction or resources or what have you, but have you found that like the the stories or the individuals whose voices you're picking to integrate into your courses, has that been impacted by the pandemic in terms of what our students are being challenged by or society's being challenged by with the pandemic that I find that interesting? Um, I will say that certain subjects have, have taken on renewed relevance. Um, for Since I've started teaching our world history survey, I always start with the bubonic plague, right? So you probably can guess where I'm going here. Right. Students understood its, its impact and how it set the stage for so many subsequent transformations. But now the, their ability to relate with these historical figures is uh, heightened, uh, to say the least. And so their responses uh, to the content, to the discussions are uh, a lot more uh, critical uh, and a lot more colorful, I would say. Uh, you know, I, I always do this this bit about, you know, the religious responses to the bubonic plague in the 13th, 14th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now students are saying, you know, my aunt is really religious and this is what she thinks about COVID. Is there a you know, correlation to what happened during the bubonic plague? And then, you know, I can use that anecdote to launch off into some other kind of, you know, interesting tangent or, or whatever it may be. For me, to be honest, though, um, I think that COVID has been less significant, at least um, at, in the United States, uh, to the to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, especially in 2020, in the wake of George Floyd's murder. I think a lot of students realized the value of history. At least in our department here, we saw an influx of majors come in the wake of that. Uh, our program grew by like 30 percent. Wow. Um, and I think it's because students were looking for uh, ways to process their own contemporary moment um, and to do so historically made the most sense. And I think it makes the most sense for in a lot of. It really does, because like to be anti-racist, which is what I think is what we all need to adopt more, not just in terms of pedagogy, but just in the way we consider society and interact with people. You have to understand the systemic and historical nature of racism in this country. And so I I think that I, I can't believe I didn't think to ask about that, but that's I'm really glad that you shared that. What I'll say too, right, like it is, is I'm about as waspy as you get. I'm a white, <laughs> I'm a white Anglo-Saxon descendant and I grew up in the Protestant tradition. And, um, you know, I am very cognizant of my own identity when I walk in the classroom and talk about subjects like the transatlantic trade in enslaved Africans, right? right. Um, uh, 
in my Age of Revolutions upper division course, which I'm teaching right now, we're going to focus on the Haitian Revolution. And I set out very early on to, to say, like, you know, there are, are things about my identity and your identity that may blind us to particular perspectives. And our goal in this class is to try to is to try to shake us into consciousness in, in a way. And I do that by saying, like, what if the Haitian Revolution is actually the most radical revolutionary moment in the in this time period? And what if our American Revolution is the most conservative of all of those? Uh, and that's the statement that that, you know, confounds students in that class more than anything, because that's not what we're taught about the American Revolution in, in you know, the public school system, we're taught, taught about Jefferson's grand ideals, uh, right, of an agrarian republic on a hill or something like that. And that is not the, the lived experience of, of enslaved African peoples in, right. in the colonies and then the nascent United States who are still enslaved or that of women. Right. Um, but you go to Haiti. Colonial Saint-Domingue becomes Haiti in the 1790s and early 19th century. And these are quite literally people from below, right? That history from below, rising up without grandiose ideals and establishing their own republic, their own kingdoms um, in ways that that frightened Americans in the 19th century, people in the United States, because they saw that happening to them soon. And then, lo and behold, the American Civil War breaks out not long after, and it happens to them, right? I mean, I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, you're very right that our anti-racism approach in the classroom needs to be grounded in a kind of strong historical uh, background, and that strong historical background needs to be interrogated in ways that will make a lot of people uncomfortable. Well, that's what I wanted to follow up and ask: is given how oftentimes and it was this was my experience um as a student as well how whitewashed and narrow our history our history education is and then we get to college like how do you i'm assuming that makes your job harder but in what ways do you kind of combat that i mean you gave an example before how you kind of pose alternative viewpoints and the questions you're asking and the way you're framing your coursework but like can you give me like a, an example of maybe earlier in your career when you kind of recognized that was going to be a hurdle you had to surpass or navigate somehow as an educator of history. Yeah. I mean, I, there are a lot of ways of coming at this, but the one that I tend to, uh, you know, transparently share with my students is that I'm the, the product of the Georgia public school system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in eighth grade, I took my you know required Georgia history class, and my uh, Georgia history teacher, at what year was that? Two thousand, I think. Um, without reservation, he used to refer to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression, um, as if the North was aggressive and just would not leave these nice little Southerners to themselves with their slavery. And unabashedly said that. And, you know, I was in eighth grade, so I wasn't thinking critically through the subject matter. I just thought this was kind of synonym or something for the Civil War. This was just another name for it. But there's an inherent power balance in what you call things, right? And so one of those hurdles that I found in the classroom is language. What's the language that we can use with students to uh, unseat some of those power imbalances that they might have acquired from the public school system, from their families, from their churches, from their friend networks, right? Um, and, and it comes in all different forms, 
Uh, and so when I teach this, especially in the world history survey, I have days where we talk about race as a social construct, how race and slavery were not always related to each other. Uh, I even do this um, kind of hypothetical situation where I, um, you know, convince students to buy into the system of slavery. I show them you know, timelines of slavery wherein we are the littlest little blip at the end that, uh, you know, we, where we live in a world where agrarian slavery is not all that common, but throughout all of human history it was, right? So we do as much work to contextualize that as possible. And then we just have very frank conversations about uh, situations we've had during our life that are imbued with racial tensions. And, you know, that's something that... I can contribute to a little bit, right. but it's something that the students uh, push full force through that I think is the most enlightening, especially, you know, like our African-American students right. who have firsthand experienced racial. Well, that's effect. the thing is you're giving, you're give, you have that positionality that you have, but you're giving them the context and then that space to talk about that from their positionality. And that's quite important in my opinion. We do the same thing in my courses when we talk about diversity in education, because my experience as a white guy is different than the experience of the majority of my students are women and often women of color. And when I teach a science methods class, they didn't all have the greatest experience as women and women of color as science students. And we were unpacking that with, um, the recording of a podcast and that we'll, we'll get into podcasting here in a little bit, but I can relate to what you're saying because my, I, I tell them up front, my positionality as a white guy is going to be very different from your experience, but we're going to be able to talk about these things here and that's okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Finding that platform or creating that safe space is absolutely key to being able to, to, you know, relate to students and, and work through such difficult subjects. Every story is told through some degree of positionality. As noted on the previous episode, Brian works hard to teach history from below, examining voices, perspectives, and figures outside of mainstream or whitewashed versions of history. This is vital for helping students relate history to matters of the present, making sense of their worlds. If we accept and uphold the history as told within dominant discourses, hegemonic norms will persist. We will finish exploring Brian's narrative on the next episode of this podcast. You can follow Brian on Twitter at BrianBanksPhD. That's at B-R-Y-A-N-B-A-N-K-S-P-H-D. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening. Thank you.